What's up to all my information superhighway super users? Mike Mills of Mike Mills Mortgage and Finance here. Realtors, the market is slow right now. Sellers are hard to come by and buyers are even harder to come by. In fact, mortgage applications reached a 28-year low last month as rising interest rates make the demand for home purchases less and less. But this is called a market cycle and it too shall pass. And those of you able to keep your expenses low and find new streams of income to make it through this cycle will be the biggest beneficiaries when the market turns around and all your competition is left real estate. Real estate's created more millionaires than any other industry on the planet, but it's not all buying and selling. And my next guest is going to tell you all the ways you can keep your license and still pay the bills in a slow market. Joining me will be a regular to the podcast and our number one fan, Conrad Jackson. And if you didn't know already, Conrad's a realtor, a property manager, a builder, a developer, a real estate investing advisor, a basketball coach. He has a YouTube show and is just a perpetual entrepreneur. We're going to dive into all the ways he generates revenue for his family, how he started each one, and how he's able able to manage all this and keep his sanity. And spoiler alert, it ain't always smooth. Look, we all have more time on our hands these days. How we use that time to build for our future will ultimately determine our long-term success. So let's start creating more income while the market gives us time. Hello, everybody. How are we doing today? So, realtors, you ever felt like you were boxed into a corner solely relying on traditional buying and selling in a fluctuating market? Imagine if there were multiple doors leading to, to diverse revenue streams in the world of real estate, an industry that has created more millionaires than any other one on the planet. Today's episode is about unlocking those doors, exploring avenues beyond the conventional, and tapping into wealth opportunities that real estate offers beyond just brokering deals. So my name is Mike Mills, and this is the Texas Real Estate and Finance Podcast, and I've got 13 years of mortgage origination experience and 25 years being in the real estate business. I've seen every market you can imagine, and I know what you're going through right now. Every week, I want to bring you perspectives from leading professionals in the real estate space, from spotlight interviews with top-tier agents to new opportunities that could potentially change the way you do business. If you tune in each week, whether you're a 20-year veteran to real estate or someone simply fascinated by the real estate market... This podcast will ensure you stay informed, innovative, innovative, and always one step ahead of your competition. But before we dive in, quick reminder, if you're finding value in these episodes, hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new podcast. And for the full episode experience, make sure you check out and subscribe to my YouTube page, Mike Mills Mortgage and Finance. Your support keeps this thing going and helps me bring more enriching content week after week. So let's get started. So my guest today is a dynamo in the real estate world. Dynamo. <laughs> There's a word for you. That's a word. Juggling diverse roles as a realist, as a realtor, developer, property manager, investor, and soon-to-be YouTube sensation. I, I threw that one in for myself there. Um, and somehow snagged an equally impressive lady in his life, and together are raising three big energy young boys. So he's going to tell us how he manages all of this and still finds a way to keep growing even when a market is slow. So say hello to my good friend Conrad Jackson. What's up, buddy? That was good. Yeah, That's yeah. Good. See, this see. Sounds, sounds very professional. I mean, you sound like you were the biggest deal that <laughs> yeah. has ever walked. I was the like, planet. who else is coming to the show? <laughs> Who's here? <laughs> That's the idea. See, see, I'm trying to trying to pump this sucker up. So, um, nice. so I do appreciate you coming in, man. Um, by the way, for anybody who uh, is new to this, this is Conrad's fifth time on the show. Really? So, yeah, this is number five. I was thinking it was three. No, nope. 
No, I went back and counted. Um, nice. This fifth one. Now we you got to remember we started back way way back yeah. when we were just sitting in that room that's, over there. That's true. Having that's a true. conversation. So that's true. Um, Conrad's a good friend of mine. We talk about this stuff all the time, and um, I wanted to bring him today because you know, just like you know, man, right now anybody that doesn't know the market is slow, right? Yeah, things are slow, and if anybody is trying to ignore the fact that it's not, you're delusional. Yeah. It is slowed down, okay, <laughs> dramatically. Um, but I don't want to take away from the fact. I know that you know. I saw something the other day. It was like so far this year, and I'm sure the numbers grown because I saw this a couple months ago. But something like sixty thousand agents have already left the business. Yeah. you know, in like the by the second quarter of this yeah. year. Yeah, probably for the best. Yes, yes, <laughs> probably for the best. But. Um, but that means that, you know, the, the market for competition of other realtors in the area is starting to shrink, yeah. um, because the opportunity to earn income has dramatically declined, yeah. you know, for many in the business, realtors, uh, lenders, title companies, it's affecting everybody. You for know, sure. if, if the rest of the market isn't in a recession, real estate certainly is. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> and it's not because of house prices, home prices are still up. Yeah. Interest rates are still up. So what we're going to try to do today is talk about all the ways that you can make money in real estate still even when the market's slow and how using your knowledge as a real estate agent and diversifying the ways you generate income within the real estate industry can keep you sustained when markets are up and down. For sure. Right. For sure. So, um, so if you were going to, you know, most agents, they spend time focusing on buying and selling. That's what they're doing. So for you personally, what happened to you that made you decide to branch out and do something other? Because you got into buying and selling just like everybody else. That's for how sure. you started. For sure. So what was it that kind of kickstarted you to move into something other than just representing buyers and sellers? I think what really jump-started, like most entrepreneurs, what jump-started me trying to diversify and do other things was I was trying to solve problems that really irritated me when I was helping people buy and sell homes when I was being a realtor. You know, so the the property management piece, I mean, I saw people doing it, not doing it well. So right. I said, man, I can do that. Yeah. You know, the the um, new construction, I, I've said this before, man, I'd, I'd, I'd get upset when I do all this work to establish a relationship with a sales rep, with a builder. And then after we do good work and I've kind of finally got in, they ship them out somewhere else where I'm not selling. And now I have to start over. And I right. said, man, I'm just, I'm just tired of this. I'm going to I'm going to be my own builder. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, the investments, you know, I just, I, I actually helped someone who was trying to their, their spouse had passed away mm-hmm. and they were offloading 10 properties that their spouse had acquired over his lifetime, 10 rental properties. And they were making, you know, close to seven figures um, by doing that. And I wow. said, you know what? I need to do this also. Right. And if I start now, by the time I get to the point where this person is at, I may have double of what they've have because they, it wasn't rocket science. They were just buying and holding and, and maintaining. And, and so that's where all of this, you know, most of this stuff started because I was irritated or I saw something that someone else was doing. And I said, I can do that. Right. That's, that's really what kind of birthed all of this. Your your very first step outside of just buying and selling with buyers and sellers mm-hmm. was the investment property, correct? correct? That was the little purple house. Yeah. Was that yep, the one? Yep. It was the graffiti house. Yes. We called it the graffiti house. Yes. And yeah, the, the 20, 2016, um, we, we actually got that property, um, on MLS off MLS and it was spray painted from top to bottom from the grass, the sidewalk, the roof, the yeah. Jeep that was in the side of the yard, everything yeah. was spray painted. So that was a property that was cheap. Myself and my partner at the time, David, um, it was still my partner, um, we went 50, 50 in on an investment, put 20% down. It cost us, I think it was less than 
$40,000 um, was the total price of that house. So we put 20% down and we split it. So, <laughs> so what? Closing costs with everything cost us a total of, I think, together like $6,000. Had Dave something. done an investment before that? He himself? had, yeah. So he had five condos that he had purchased mm -hmm. in Arlington. And so those were buy and holds for him also. But this was like the first major rehab that we were doing. Gotcha. So he just bought them and held them, like rented them out basically, but yeah. didn't do any kind of work. Yeah. On them. Yeah. I, eventually he got to the point where he was, you know, doing plenty, you know, complete rehabs and things of that nature. But, um, but yeah, this was like our first like rehab rehab. Gotcha. Um, major rehab where we were just changing walls and changing floor plans and doing all the stuff that you see stuff happening on TV, on the TV shows. We took a stab at it. Now, if I remember correctly, because we've talked about this before, obviously, mm -hmm. um, if anybody hasn't heard, you can go back to some of the previous episodes. We'll go, we'll rehash a little bit of it, but, yeah. um, uh, but if we get a lot more in depth than some of the other ones that we did, but, um, so on that one, you actually didn't sell it after you rehabbed it for a while, right? It was several years. Yeah. We held that one for some years, man. I want to say, um, we sold that one in 2022. So yes. just last year. Right. Um, so we held years. it for six years. Right. Yeah. And so, so you bought that one, rehabbed it, I guess you rented it out. Correct. Is that right? Okay. Correct. And then this was the next, you know, next move in that direction. Did you buy another property? It's the same thing and yeah. rehab it, or was it just a rental or? Yeah, we, we bought that one, we rehabbed it. And in the course of us trying to complete the rehab, we bought another one, which was on that same side of town, which was Fort Worth, um, kind of the East South, Southeast Fort Worth, um, area. So, uh, we bought that one and we didn't, we didn't necessarily rehab that one right away. The second property, we were making enough cash flow on the first property where we actually held that second property for almost a year before we even touched it. Really? Yeah. 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 It was, it was cheap. Um, I think that one was like $31,000, something like that. Um, we were making the mortgage payment for the second house with the rent from the first house with the first apartment. Really? We had two apartments in that first property. Okay. So the rent from the first one covered the mortgage for both of those houses, wow. which was why we took a little while to, to, to rehab them. Yeah. yeah. Cause we you had just, cash flow. And yeah. We had cash flow. Anything. I had two apartments out of the first building and we were making some good coin on it, which is why we sat on it for six years. So, so apply that to today because, you know, right now, obviously, um, realtors are out there struggling to find business, yeah. you know, uh, the listings are popping up more and more, but sure. know, the buyers are tougher to come by. Yeah. Um, so what would you say to someone says, well, you know, I can't invest in real estate right now because prices are too high. Rates are too high. Um, you know, there's no deals to be had. What would your, what would your response be to that? Uh, for today? Just, it's just not true. Okay. That my response would be, that's just not true. All right. Why is that? Um, first of all, you have negotiating power, which we haven't had in, you know, half a decade. Yes. Um, on the off market deals. Right. Uh, so off what's an off market deal? So off market a deal, a deal, a deals that are not on the MLS. Okay. Right. They're not hitting the Zillows. They're not hitting the realtor.coms or the red fins of the world. They're not on there. They're not listed for sale in the multiple listing service. And why is that? Um, it's typically because it's going, um, either investor to investor, okay. maybe it's going from homeowner who wants to go for sale by owner and they just want to pitch it out to a network of people that they know. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a different, a bunch of different reasons. Sure. Maybe the property is not going to qualify for financing. So they don't want to put it on the market through MLS and right. have to go through the inspection process and, and take less money. They feel like they can do a good enough job 
selling it themselves and just disclosing what they feel like they need to disclose. Gotcha. So there's different reasons why it doesn't hit the market. Right. Um, but you know, in those off market deals, you, before it would be, okay, if it's any bit of a good deal with any meat on the bone, meaning that the price that they're selling it for is going to allow you to make money as an investor, either on a flip or on a buy and hold where they're going to rent it out and be able to cover the mortgage and make some profit after that. Right. Um, if it's anything like that, they were gone. Right. You know, in previous Two seconds. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's because everybody was looking if cheap money was cheap. Looking. Everybody was trying to everybody, get it. the market was so demand. It was such a high demand on market that people home buyers were going off market to find something to live in as a primary residence saying, I can't find this too much competition here. So let me just go in these off market channels or portals or groups, investment groups and see if I can find my house there. Yeah. And so um, before you had the competition there, now, just like listings on market are sitting, listings by wholesalers and uh, off market deals are sitting um, as well. So right. you have a higher ratio of that that's happening, which allows the investor to actually negotiate a better deal. Right. Which is what I was doing when I first started. Yeah. It was a different market. So you could negotiate a better deal just because they put it out at this price doesn't mean that that's what you have to buy it. At because there's 17 other people looking at the same thing. Right. So now as far as the finance financing is concerned, how does, how does an investor try to make that work where, cause you know, like you said, you have two options, right? You can either flip it mm -hmm. or you can hold and rent it. Right. Yep. One of the two. Yeah. So if you're going to hold and rent it or, or flip it, either one, what, what avenue do you think you would go about in, in finding a way to get the money for that because you know the other issue you know if you're a realtor right now is you probably don't have a lot of cash laying around either yeah. necessarily yeah. so what are what are some what are some avenues to try to get funds to be able to pull that off so there's a few different ways man creative financing is one of those things as an investor that you just kind of have to have as a tool in your toolkit understanding even if you don't understand every intricate detail you want to understand different ways to have access to be able to lock up the property and purchase it. Right. Um, there's seller financing where you can go directly to the seller and say, Hey, will you hold this note? Because some sellers don't need an upfront amount of cash. Right. Some of them just need to get that property get the expense. Off yeah. The books. Get that expense off the books, or maybe they just need incoming cash flow right. in the form of mortgage payments. Yeah. And so they don't want to take, I've had several times where I've talked to sellers, they don't want to take a, you know, six figure hit of income. So they have to pay taxes on that Fair immediately. Enough. Yeah. Maybe they want to keep that asset on the books and let you make payments to them and pay it off over time. Do you find that that is more like, do you have more takers for that these days as seller, as far as seller financing is concerned? I do. do you, do you think some people don't even know that they're willing to sell or finance? Absolutely. Until you ask them that question. A lot of times you're finding yourself as an investor, educating the seller on what it actually is and how right. it works. And once they get the education, they're a little bit more open to it. Gotcha. Um, there's kind of this dark cloud going around that, oh, seller financing, like, I'm not going to get any money. Yeah. The property has to be completely paid off for seller financing to yeah. happen. Like, yeah. these are all things that people just assume because that's what everybody's put out there. Yeah. I've bought properties that had mortgages on it and the seller financed it to me. Really? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. See, I've always understood that that was mortgage banks looked upon that in a negative way. They call that like a wraparound mortgage. Where yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just depends on how you're structuring that deal, okay. how you do it, make sure you're doing everything legally, closing it at a title company, 
legally, <laughs> right. making sure you're doing everything. Now, there's some handshake deals that are shady. Sure. You don't, you don't want to do those. Right. But, I mean, if everybody's upfront and honest and you do things the right way and close it at an attorney's office, a title company, um, to make sure that you haven't missed any I's dotted or T's crossed, it can absolutely get done. And people don't get in the the lien holders don't get into any trouble on that for absolutely okay absolutely okay yeah I know that. And not every bank doesn't like it sure every bank doesn't love it some banks understand real estate more than others yeah some banks understand that type of financing other than others and some banks specialize in it yeah so you just got to understand you know these things going into it before you put that out there and know the ins and outs and where you can get in trouble where you can't get in trouble because what you don't want to do is have the bank calling your note due yes, <laughs> yes. While, while you hadn't planned on paying it off and the person who you're allowing to finance it doesn't have the money to pay it off <laughs> but i guess you could probably say though that it's just like anything else right yeah. if you pay your mortgage yeah and everything gets taken care of, Absolutely. then the bank leaves you alone. Absolutely. They're right? not coming looking for you. No. So no. if they're coming to look for you, then yes. absolutely yes. you've done something that's alerted them to come look for you. So, I mean, there's creative ways to do it. You know, seller financing is just Jen says, a lot of people don't know that as a lender, we can use the seller finance properties borrowers have as income if recorded properly and have three-year continuance. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's... There's some ways, man, people have gotten, there are smarter people than me that have done this and right. done it successfully and done it a lot cooler ways than I've done it. Right. You know, I'm just trying to expose people to say that, you know, there's more than just traditional financing out there. Yeah. Um, there's hard money lending. Okay. Also, All right. um, hard money lenders are typically real estate investors who are trying to lend on good deals at lower risk. Right. Right. And as a purchaser of that, you know, hard money loan or as a somebody who's getting that hard money loan, you're you're the trade-off is you're paying high fees, high interest right. in a short period, a short period of, time, of time. Right. Right. Because it's all short-term financing. It's short-term it. financing. Right. But I tell everybody, it's like if a hard money lender agrees to do your deal, you probably have one. Yeah. You probably have a deal that's that's somewhat decent because they're saying, if I'm gonna give you terms, then if you screw this up, I'm gonna take this over. Yeah. And I'm an investor as a hard money lender. I'm I'm an investor. Right. So I understand Recognize what a deal, deal. is and yeah. what's not a deal. So I'm not gonna give you terms on a deal if I don't feel comfortable enough to take that deal over if you screw it up. Right. So I tell people that's that's there's your there's your confidence in your deal right there. As you send it to them, they send you terms back, you know you got something. Are the hard money lenders looking more at you personally and your finances, or are they looking more at the property and the deal? Initially, they're looking at both. Okay. As you establish a relationship with a hard money lender, they look more at the deal than they do at you, you personally. Because you've done stuff with them. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Especially once you get into that three, four, five times that you've worked with that same lender. Right. Then they start to kind of put you on cruise control because they understand that you've paid them back or are currently paying them back. Right. So you're low risk as opposed to somebody that they don't know coming right off the street. Right. Yeah. Okay. So that's another way that you can get. So finance. it's a relationship business, just like anything else. Absolutely. Once you establish that relationship, then you're going to be further along. And absolutely. When you find, so if someone's trying to get their first hard money deal, they've never done one before. Do they like reach out to somebody else that they know that's done with other lenders or what, what would you do? Like if you, if you're like, I found a property, I want to get it. I want to do hard money on it for whatever reason. And you can also explain why you would do a hard money loan on yeah. a particular property. Yeah. What would you, how would you reach out or find a hard money lender? First thing that I would do is of course, like I do, with real estate when you're trying to become a good realtor um, you start asking your sphere of influence yeah. or people around you who have done it successfully for referrals right. How, who do i go to for this mortgage loan who do i go to for this you know contractor issue how do i 
read this contract? Who's done a contract? How do I write this contract? You know, you're doing the same thing. You're asking your peers and see who has done this successfully. So that's where I found my hard money lender was I found someone who had done a hard money loan successfully and said, who would you go through? Yeah. Can you give me their information? Right. And so I, I would recommend people doing the same thing. Typically you're using hard money um, for properties that you're trying to close quickly. Okay. Because hard money loans can close very quickly okay. a week, a couple of days in some instances, just depending on the property and the price. Um, you're also doing it more times for properties that need repair okay. or a major or so you minor get a little rehab. More you can finance the repair money into the actual loan. Okay. So they will allow you to make draws. They'll hold back a certain amount for construction, allow you to make draws on that through the life of the loan. Gotcha. So that way you don't have to come up with the repair money out of pocket right off the bat. And how much money do you usually have to come out of pocket up front? Like let's say on your first deal, like what let's let's say you found a you know two hundred thousand dollar property. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That you wanted to do a little rehab on, mm-hmm. not a lot, but something small. What? How much money would you have to come up with? Depending usually? on, it really depends on. Even if it's your first deal, it depends on what the after repair value of that property could be. Okay. If you're talking about two hundred, you're rehabbing it for forty thousand dollars, and it's going to be worth two ninety when it's done. Then that's a little bit smaller margin than if you were rehabbing it for 40 and that sucker was going to be worth $400,000 or gotcha. $500,000 when it's done, which you have that in certain hyper markets, you know, North Dallas areas yeah. like that specialty markets yeah. um, where you find kind of a hidden gym. Right. Um, if there's a lot of equity in the deal, they may ask you, they'll still ask you probably for upfront your first deal, they'll say 20%. But if there's a ton of equity in it, a lot of times they'll do, 10% down. Really? Uh-huh. Okay. Um, most of them will tell you they won't, but it just depends on how much equity is in that actual deal, how much opportunity for appreciation you can have. Would you say right now, especially because transactions are hard to come by, mm-hmm. that even those guys are a little more willing to kind of step out of the box a little bit? They you are. Know, you think so? They're a little bit They're a little bit more open to suggestions these yeah. days. Yeah. Um, numbers are numbers. Sure. And everybody's trying to find comparable sales. And sales aren't selling as fast. So it's harder for, you know, previous years, wholesalers could just pull numbers together at, you know, out of anywhere. They right. just pull them out of thin air and say, yeah, this looks good. Boom, boom, boom. Let's go. Let's sell it at this price. Right. Well, now you don't have a lot of that data anymore because homes are taking longer to sell. Right. So they really have to be strong on their numbers to be able to put out terms to someone who's trying to do a hard money loan, gotcha. especially somebody new. So what they want to do is they want to make sure that those numbers work yeah. and that they're solid so they don't lose money on the deal. Right. Right, right. So they're paying attention a little bit more, but they're a little bit more creative if you've got more equity in that deal. Okay. There's more room for the ARV to be higher, the after repair value to be higher. Right. They're going to spend a little more time on it, but they might be a little bit more flexible if the deal's a good deal. Because they know if they get that deal, yeah. they're going to be able to flip it and make a lot more money than what probably what you're thinking you can make on gotcha. it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, um, if you were, you know, real estate's obviously very hyper local mm-hmm. and every area is a little different for sure. So if you were looking for a deal right now as a fix and flip, or even as a rental, are you looking in McKinney or are you looking in like, what, what would be a, a an area that you would look that's either maybe undervalued. I don't, you don't have to give specific areas, but just like, if you're the investor, are you going to the high traffic areas and paying more? Or are you going to a lower traffic area and trying to find a deal? Or where, where are you looking? That depends on your tolerance for risk okay. as the individual. Okay. Every individual is different. My tolerance for risk is pretty low. Um, and I'm a creature of habit like most investors, especially newer investors. You're going to probably start somewhere geographically close to 
where you already sell or live life or yeah. live or whatever. Um, so I always recommend people to start where they're comfortable. Um, if you're going into this for a rental and you're a newer investor, then you're going to want to look at places that have, you know, a great working class community with public transportation, high visibility um, in areas that typically have a lot of rental units because you know that there's a lot of data there that's going to allow you to be able to rent your unit out when you right. find one in that area. Right. Um, going into the specialty markets requires a lot more legwork mm -hmm. and a lot more risk. So unless you're from that area, or you're familiar with that area, I would recommend staying what you are in the areas that you're familiar with. Do where you're comfortable. Yeah. Go where you're comfortable. And there's yeah. still deals can, can be found. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And if, you, if you're not finding the right deal for yourself, you're not looking at enough deals per day. Gotcha. That's just, that's just it. And where would you go to look for deals? Like if, where are you looking? Where, where's the places you're checking out? Everywhere. You're, you know, just Dri driving, driving in the car. Yeah. Driving in the car and looking at um, houses that are boarded up or overgrown grass or seeing these for sale by owner deals or seeing these, um, you know, there's a lot of trash and stuff on the yard and, and there's like people are setting their stuff out, you know, yeah. finding these properties that have notices of the water being shut off or ta taped or tagged or whatever, you know, drive, we call it driving for dollars, looking for signs that say we'll buy houses because they also sell houses because they bought so many houses, right. you know, right. um, doing things like that, you know, are going to, actually making sure that when you see neighborhoods popping up brand new neighborhoods popping up and you're seeing for rent signs out there calling those for rent signs and asking the owner if they're going to sell the property if they can't rent it would they be interested in selling it to you never know till you ask right you never know till you ask so there's a lot of places that you can a lot of places that you can go to find out information um the tax floor closure lists you know they put them out on the county's websites or on the attorney's websites who handle the foreclosures you can just google it who handles tarrant county's uh foreclosures auctions and boom it'll give you the attorney's name you go to their website and they list every single county on that attorney's website that they handle and you can pull up the list for that month and see what properties are going to come up for sale in the auctions um there's a lot of free things that you can do to find properties for sale you just gotta look or just ask yeah we're on social media every single day and we're looking for properties and most of us don't put on social media that we're looking for properties. Right. <laughs> it's so weird. Just ask the question. Yeah. yeah. We'll go, we'll literally go to Facebook and go to marketplace and just start thumbing through and saying, Hmm, I like this one. I like that one. As opposed to putting a message out, which will go to a thousand people that look at your messages and right. say, does anybody have a deal? <laughs> yes. Nobody does, or well, I won't say nobody does few, it, yeah. but there's few people that will do that. Yeah. And there's fear because I guess we have to mentally separate, oh, this is my personal, right. but this is my investment. Yeah. Where right. do you think you're going to find your best deals? Is your personal sphere of influence? Yeah. Like that's where the deals are going to come from. Do you, it, it, we talk about this all the time when we, when we talk to each other, but I want you to, to say it too, where, um, you know, everybody looks at real estate or even one property and says, you know, I want to make, $20,000 on this deal. Yeah. Or I want to make 30,000 or 50,000 or yeah. whatever the case may be. Yeah. Right. If you go to somebody and you say either a, you're going to break even or B you're going to make $5,000. Yeah. Okay. And they say, well, I don't, I don't want to spend time doing that. Yeah. Why, what, what would you, what would you tell them in that regard? I would tell them you probably don't want to do investing, right? You probably don't want to invest in real estate and because why? you know, the first 
deal that you ever do is the deal that you learn the most knowledge on. Yes. It's the the one that's just education. You're paying for education. You're paying for it, right? right. So you're not going to come out usually with a home run, with a slam dunk on your very Except first on your one. very first one. On my very first one, we. <laughs> But but I'm, in all fairness, you didn't sell it for a long time. And, exactly. You know, yeah. Exactly. We sat on that sucker. I mean, right. it's just it's one of those where, you know, that's not the case. But you've had plenty since time. then. That, yeah. I've had tons since then where they were not home runs. Yeah, uh, they were. They were. Man, yeah. those were help me get out of free agency. Get me off this team. Great learning wanna, experience. Yeah, let me get out of the sport altogether. Yes. Yes. You know, I've had some really bad ones. Yeah. Bad experiences. So, you know, ultimately, but even then still, even though even if it was a home run like ours was. I learned more on that one. I have lessons today that I've learned on that one that I still put in progress with the ones that we buy today. Yeah. The lessons learned on that particular property. So, I mean, I would tell folks, hey, if you're looking to get rich on your first deal, it's probably just not going to happen. Yeah. Even us, we didn't get rich on our first deal. No, it was a very good deal. Yeah, we yeah. made some money, but we didn't get rich off yeah, of it. Yeah, you couldn't retire. I couldn't quit my job after <laughs> no, that. No, no. You know, so ultimately I tell people, man, you're just trying to learn and get through the first one. Yeah. That's what you're trying without to do. Losing. If you can do it losing. without losing money, you won, right? But even if you lose a little bit. You're still paying. Cost of education. It's the cost of education. We'll spend money all day on things that we buy, that we yeah. say we're going to learn, and classes that we never, yeah, you that we fail, 30, that we on. Texas yeah. Tech to go to college. <laughs> exactly. Not you learn anything. anything. But how to drink out of a keg. Exactly. Right, right. Exactly. How to sleep in. But you lose $5,000, but learn a yeah. ton on a real estate but, deal. Yeah. If you yeah. lose two grand on this one, no, no, no I can't do that. <laughs> yeah. You know? So. What people forget is the education piece is, is equally as important as the deal. Yeah. You know, without the education, you can't keep going. No. And so well, that's what people need to understand when they're doing these deals is, hey, if this is anywhere, any bit close to me breaking even, let's go ahead and take a stab at it if this is what I plan on doing long term. Now, yeah. if you're just a, hey, I'm going to come in once a quarter and make a whole bunch of money and then I'm out and I don't want to do anything else. It's probably not for you. It's yeah. probably not the right deal for you. Yeah. But for those who want to do this long term and scale, you're going to take those lumps and it. There's an opportunity. What people forget is the market can change while you're doing the deal. Right. For the bad, but also for the good. Yeah. And there's plenty of people who've made money that way where the deal looked like it was, I have one right now where I helped someone and she didn't think she was going to make a lot of money every month. And she got her term sheet from the lender for the refinance and she's going to make a lot more money than she thought yeah. just because, you know, situation changed, price a little higher, you know, the property looks nicer. The terms are different from this lender, you know? So I'm just like, you just never know. Yeah. So you step out there. Well, you have to, I, people unfortunately live in a world where immediacy is the most important thing. Right. What can I do right now? And right. especially, you know, as agents in the market right now that are struggling to pay the bills maybe, or haven't, I mean, it's, it's a hard thing because yeah. you, you got to balance between, I got to make money because I got to support my, I got to feed my family Absolutely. to, but I got to have a long-term plan because if you're constantly living, if you're constantly living in today, if everything is always what's happening right in front of your face, yeah. you don't have any plans or any ability to move into the future. Yeah. And and the the thing about real estate, which we talk about all the time, is there are so many different ways that you can you can monetize your knowledge about real estate. For and sure. being an agent and coming into the business and doing it for five or ten years, the knowledge that you have compared to the average investor that's never done it before is yeah. 
astronomically bigger, right? Absolutely. You have such a such a competitive advantage in being able to find deals and know what a good deal looks like, Absolutely. which is not something that you can just explain to somebody, right? Yeah, it's a very difficult thing for you to walk in and go, I can tell you what a good deal is. You're like, well, I mean, if you find a deal, I can evaluate it and tell you if I think it's a good one, yeah. but I can't just tell you, look for this, look for this, look for this, because everything's different. I mean, it just, it, doing, investing, it, Investing in yourself, investing outside of real estate just helps you as an as a business owner yeah. more. Like yeah. if I'm investing in these properties and we're taking them down to the studs and building them back up, I can do my job better as a realtor. Yeah. Because when I go in a listing appointment, my people say, hey, I want to do this. I want to do that. And I'm going to spend this amount of money on this and this amount of money on that. I can calculate it in my head and say, that's not going to give you a good dollar for dollar benefit, right. Right. you know, but this will. Yeah. So let's not do this and let's do this. And now I also know what the consumer is looking for. I say, okay, well, if you do, if you're in a bind and you need to sell this property, you can go this route yeah. or you can go this route. You can sell it here at this cost, or you can, you can turn around and rent it. And then you can make this amount of money and buy yourself some time. Like you just have options. You have so many other things that you can come to other than I'm sitting down telling you what your house can sell for. And that's my job for today. Thank you for letting me come. Yeah. But you got to be willing to understand that all of this is a long game and you can't just do everything in the short term. For sure. It's got to sure. be, you got to have an eye to the future and go, what I'm doing today is going to benefit me in five years. It's going to benefit me in 10 years. Right. And there's going to be a payoff for this, even though I may not feel it right now. And the thing is, is right now we all have a ton of time on our hands. Uh, yeah. Right. Man. And the best agents that you find out there are the ones who are thinking outside the box being creative. Yeah. Like look at it. For instance, one thing that you, we didn't say at the intro. For, yeah. I own a, a real estate photography company. Oh, I didn't even know that. Nobody knows okay, that. Okay, well, now right. that's just another one. Well, we don't really promote it as much. Yeah. We probably should. But the listings that we take photos on are my listings. Yeah. Our team listings. Yeah. But I own part of that company. You, you, so what you did then is I'm assuming this is with Keith. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Absolutely. then, so if anybody doesn't understand what he's saying is that he took his money and invested it with a partner mm -hmm. who does photography, who Correct. is the photographer. You're not a photographer. I am not. You probably don't know the first thing about photography. I can't, I can t turn the camera on. Turn right. It. But you know, <laughs> Keith does. And you know, Keith is amazing at what he does. Right. But Keith is probably also a really good photographer, but maybe doesn't have the understanding on how to grow and develop that business to the degree that maybe you could help him with. Well, yeah, and ultimately, you know, for me, I saw an opportunity where I could do what I was already doing, Yeah, right? And it really wasn't even a a, a money play on the business. It sure. was, I'm already doing this, yeah. right? Yeah. I already have my long-term friend, Keith, who's phenomenal at what he does. I have an opportunity to create a business with him, something that we're both already doing, Yeah, have a funnel of income come in, and now I have another entity on the books that I can show as an asset when I want to go do something with a lender. Yeah. Because it's showing it's generating income. I don't have to do anything different than what I've already done. Plus maybe file taxes once a year, sure. you know, and, and have a meeting or something for the entity. Yeah. 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 Other than that, that's it. That's great. No, <laughs> well, and you, what you're doing too, is you're taking the industry that you're in and you're, you're going, you know, basically vertical right. and you're getting different parts of the process. Correct. You know, I mean, I'm not saying go out and buy an appraisal company, but you have appraisals, you have inspections, That's you right. have photography, you have electrical work, you have repairs, you have home, uh, um, um, what's the insurance, the, the 
you know, it's terrible, but the, um, <laughs> the home warranty, the home warranty. Yeah. 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 I was like, but, <laughs> but, but think of it like this, man, like you, you have an opportunity. People have opportunities that they just pass up every day just because their antenna is not up. Yeah. They're not thinking about it. They're not thinking about it. There are plenty of agents that are very good at putting together parties. I see agents all the time delivering pies and yeah. pop buys and yeah. doing, there's workshops on how to go by and, and visit your clients and doing things and door hangers. And yeah. it's like, what if I just, partner with somebody who did this for a living, did door hangers for a living. Yeah. And then now you get cheaper door hangers. Now I get the rate cheaper <laughs> and I can go out here and expand my business. And when times are slow, I have another revenue source. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think that's, that's great. I mean, I, that, that's just, it, again, it's just about how you think and, and the way you use your brain. Correct. Um, all right. So let's move on. Cause we've been, that was a good one for, but let's move on to property management. Okay. okay? Because every, agent or not every agent, but a lot of agents that I talk to yeah. hate property management. Sure. They're like, there's so much time and so much effort and with very little return, you know, they have all these negative things, but I've also spoken with several, what I would consider pretty successful realtors yeah. that love property management yeah. and they think it's fantastic. So, um, First off, tell us how many, I love the way you put it, by the way, how many doors you have these days. Um, I used to think of them as properties, but we got to think of them as doors because each door is a rent. So how many, how many doors do you got? Um, how did that start? And then now, you know, your, your lovely wife is steering that ship. So tell yeah. me how all that transitioned into the, into so, that. so right now, last time I checked, I think we're at 30 doors. Okay. Um, that's downsized a little bit though, right? Didn't you have, I think we were hovering around like 24 to 27. Okay. okay. Um, we sold a couple and then we bought a couple more, a few more. Gotcha. Um, so now we're at 30, couple other deals on the table that we're currently working through. So, so yeah, um, that's how we got there. I mean, it started small at the graffiti house and we just kind of scaled up hard money, seller financing, traditional financing until we got to the point where we're at now. Yeah. Um, as far as how I feel about property management, I mean, I don't love it. It's yeah. not my favorite thing to do, but I, I understand real estate, yeah. right? And so I understand rents, rent comps, understanding what uh, a tenant needs versus what a you know a buyer needs, right. understanding how to rehab, which came through the real estate investing with you know rentals and whatnot. Um, so having that knowledge, I understand what it takes to get a property rentable for a certain amount of money, right, in the market. Also understand how to work with the housing authority to get guaranteed rents in mm -hmm. um, and get that stigma out of there that, hey, you know, housing tenants are the worst tenants. They're just they're some of my best yeah. tenants. Yeah. And we've we've been very blessed to have them. Are you talking about Section 8 stuff? Yeah. yeah. Section 8 stuff, yeah. man. I mean, it is just it's it's one of the best programs. Explain in to the people world. how Section 8 works, because you blew my mind when you told me that one time. So basically what you have is you have someone who is typically making below a certain amount. Um, a lot of times it's below the poverty line, but not all the time it's below the poverty line. You just, you're at a fixed income, right? Uh -huh. And you are looking for housing that is subsidized by the government uh -huh. and it's a government program, right? And so you can apply, there's a long list to apply, but if you can get on that program, you can go county to county, literally anywhere in the United States uh -huh. and have subsidized housing right you can you know it usually takes you to be on a program for like a year or so before they'll allow you allow you to go to a different county right but they will in some cases a lot of cases i see um like 70 percent of your rent paid 
Um, on the first of the month? Yeah. Every single month? First of the month, direct deposit from the housing authority. Never late. From the entity. <laughs> Never. When the government shuts down, you still get paid on time. When there's a moratorium, oh, you so still even, get paid So on. even with the government shut I down? I never have ever had a payment. Government really? shut down, whether it's been um, COVID and the you know neighborhood yeah. shut down, everything shut down, direct deposit. Wow. First of the month, every month. Wow. Okay. Um, and you can take that you know, piece of paper that they give you your voucher uh -huh. and you can go after you've been on the program for like a year or so. Um, and you can go anywhere you can, you can literally apply in Waco, right? Yeah. Be in Hill County, live in Hillsboro, Texas. Right. After a year, you can pick up and move to Hawaii. Wow. And <laughs> is it, is it any property pretty much any property that will, it, that can get approved on the um, by the conditions, which the conditions are typically you're providing like air conditioning, you're providing some type of appliances, things of that nature. Um, you're providing a safe environment. There's floors. Yeah. There's a ceiling. Yeah. There's doors, entry and exit um, points. So and there's not like I guess what I'm asking is there's no city ordinances typically or anything where a city can say you can't have this type of housing. The restrictions typically can come if you are in like an HOA neighborhood or something like that where they okay. say a, only a certain amount of rental units or no rental units gotcha. or the you know if there's So it's not it's not section 8 it's just no rentals. Exactly. Gotcha. But they won't typically single out like a housing authority program. They don't want to discriminate. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So really in, in, in all reality, I mean, aside from a few places, yeah. you can pretty much own any property that you own. As, as long as the property owner is accepting sure. housing vouchers. Right. Yes. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Didn't know that either. And go to Alaska on section eight. Yes. You know, you can go to Florida <laughs> and go to Destin. If you can find someone who's going to rent you out one of their condo units and that sucker is approved, which as long as it's usually standing in decent condition, a lot of times you don't even have to have air conditioning as far as like central AC, you yeah. have window units, boom, you can get that housing voucher. And, and I've seen tenants get a hundred percent of their rent paid for. Wow. And with what utilities? Yes. And <laughs> I, I, what is the, the thing that, you know, when you were telling me about this, that really drove the point home was um, that program is so valuable for people for sure. to get into that you don't really have an issue with them paying their portion in most cases. Yeah. Yeah. I think because they're so terrified to lose absolutely that benefit. I think the wait list for Hill County right now is like 1,700 people. Wow. Right. 1700 people that have applied that are waiting to get on the um uh, on with housing authority right and so once you get in and you get those benefits the tenants are typically extra careful about keeping that unit in immaculate condition so that way they don't get kicked out of housing right and get off of that program and have to pay market rent out of their own pocket right right so that's typically why I have the best housing that my best tenants are housing tenants. Cause they yeah. don't want to get off the program. No, no. Where else can you go and pay a couple hundred bucks in rent for a unit that should cost you, you know, 15, 17, $2,000. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's like, why would I screw that up? You know, you don't want people <laughs> screwing that up. No, you don't. <laughs> you don't want to mess that up. Cause that's a, that's a fantastic benefit. So, yeah. all right. So, so back to the property property management thing. Sure. Um, when you started, the door started piling up a little bit in the beginning. Cause at first, you know, it's not too bad. You can kind of, did you ever use a property manager yourself? I did. You did. Okay. So I, did. The beginning, and I still do. 
Okay. I still do. You know, it just depends on, you know, your market. And like I said, comfortable, being comfortable with what you're doing. Um, most of my Fort Worth properties go to a specific property manager. Gotcha. Just because geographically it's so harder Kay for me do to those. drive to. Uh, Kay doesn't manage those because usually I just give them to that person. So that yeah. way if the showings, things have to happen certain times of the day. They can just hand that off. It can just handle it. So I pay a property manager. Um, I, I, you know, but you also know doing it yourself though, you know, the value of it. So absolutely. if you find one that's good, that has a reasonable price that does absolutely. what they're, you're like, yeah, I'll absolutely. But you only know that because you do it yourself and you understand. Absolutely. Yeah. I understand what it's going to take in order to manage that property effectively. Right. And I also understand my tolerance for managing that property effectively. So a lot of times there are things that are good deals that I don't want to manage. Yeah. So I give them to a different property manager who's happy to manage them and they do a, a fantastic job. So what made you decide to put together your own thing? And then of course get, you know, your lovely wife involved with that one? Um, a couple of things. First of all, you know, we're trying to scale our portfolio a certain way, right? right? And there are certain things that we, we like to do that other property managers don't necessarily recommend. So there are times where I don't want to hear it from another property manager on your recommendations. <laughs> like, I'm going to do it this way. Right. And it works and it works for us. So, you know, what I started to do was just train my wife on how to manage our rentals and our properties and things of that nature for, for ourselves. How'd that and, go, by the way? And it's fantastic. It's was it fantastic, fantastic at first? At first, I was. It was hard for me to relinquish just because yeah. delegating is not my strong suit. Well, and working with your wife, you know, I mean, that's, and my yeah. wife, it's like it's going to be her way or right. it's no way at all. Right. So, and I was okay with that because the tenants like her better. Yeah, <laughs> she does a better job. It freed up a third of my day yeah. every single day yeah. for not having to deal with it. All I had to do was get it rentable and then let her take it from there. Right. And so it, it's worked out really well. And the the thing that you've always told me about that is the key to it is the systems that you've created around managing it. Because, Absolutely. you know, I think people get shy or, or gun shy on the property management side because they just think you're constantly dealing with tenants all day long. You're yeah. constantly solving problems. And, and, and to be fair, there is certainly amount of that, right? Yeah. There, there's an amount of that. But if you build the proper systems and you build a proper process of onboarding, getting someone in, getting someone out, you know, collecting rent, all that kind of stuff, then the, the, the whole thing becomes very manageable. And then it's, be, and then it's just, just like anything else where you probably 80% of your properties just float along without a day's care. And then you got 20% that take up a good chunk of your time. Think of it like anything else that you do. I yeah. mean, it, it, as a realtor, you could spend all day wasting time showing people properties that yeah. they're never going to buy. Right. So what do you do? You make sure to qualify those people to make sure you're not spending as much time on nonsense. Yeah. So that way you're um, managing your time more effectively. Think of a professional athlete. Yeah. They could spend all day on a court or in the gym, but they spend specific amount of time working in specific high level energy things to make sure that they perform better on their job. Right. You know, so it, you could waste time in the gym just, you know, dribbling a ball or hitting a tennis ball all day long the wrong way. Yeah. You know, so it's all about making sure that you understand and manage your expectations, manage your systems so that way you're more effective. So the systems help. Yeah. The systems absolutely help. The yeah. software, property management software, the team is probably the most important thing because even if you don't have the software, that's the most amazing. Having the right people around you, the contractors, the electricians, the HVAC guys, the glue guy, the contractor who can pretty much do anything, build anything, fix anything, mm -hmm. um, you know, the foundation people, the insurance people, the title people, 
the attorneys, just everybody who can help you do your job better is having that team and having that team's expectations um, managed as well helps you do your job better. It helps you um, fly through the property management stuff, which my wife does very well for our stuff. Well, and especially right at this moment in time yeah. when the buying and selling of real estate for an agent is down, I'm sure those rents and those those uh, mailbox money that's coming in every month is it's very important fantastic. because, you know, as an investor, you as an investor who uses leverage and banks, you need to be able to show that you're bringing funds in. So even yeah. if you're not physically taking that cash for yourself personally to pay right. your bills and expenses, you're still showing the revenue coming in. Yeah. So when they say, hey, OK, we'd love to do this deal for you to help you continue to grow. What can you show me as far as income? Mm -hmm. Well, if my real estate sales are down, hopefully something else is picking up the slack. Yeah. And that's where the rents can be very important. Yeah. Where it's not the actual dollar that you're seeing physically that you're able to spend, but the dollar that you're showing on your books that's coming in consistently that allows you to continue to go and grow your business. Right. That is huge yeah. because as realtors, sometimes you might need to go to the bank and get a line of credit mm -hmm. to help you weather a storm for a certain period of time. Well, if your sales are down, that's all you got to go on. They're probably not going to give it to you. Right. But if your sales are down, but you've shown money, revenue coming in from property management fees, listing photos, rents, home building, you know, yeah. sales, things of that nature, um, then you can show a lot more assets on the books, which makes you look lower risk to the lenders. Yeah. So um, now you also do um, real estate investing, advising. Now you, yeah. you started a Facebook group and yeah. have, have been dealing with people in and out of that. Have. Um, and now you, now in, in all fairness and correct me if I'm wrong, you don't make any money off of that directly. No. Right. No. You're not charging for this service. I'm not. Okay. I'm not. So, so then explain to people why th that, why you would take your already crunched time yeah. and spend time advising someone on investing and in, in what they should do. Two quick reasons were first, I would get these questions all day long from people. How you do this? How do I do this? How do I do that? So for me to physically pick up the phone and call people or text them back, all of the answers was wearing on me. Yeah. So I created the group so that way when I did things, I could explain it to the group and you could get most of your answers, not only from my expl explanations, but other investors who are in the group that could answer your questions or point you and redirect you in a direction that you could go to get those answers. So it helped me centralize one location to where I could help people more effectively with my time. Right. Um, so I wasn't wasting time just trying to do each yeah. person individually yeah. help them. Um, and then, you know, I still get questions outside of that. So sure. I can help you more on a one-on-one -on -one basis, but typically you can get most of your, your questions answered for, through that group, especially for general um, getting started right. um, questions. The second thing was um, <laughs> it helped me be more visible, mm -hmm. which allowed me to get more business yep. indirectly. That's right. Because I was showing people these, terrible looking houses that we were rehabbing and making really nice and showing people how to rinse. Now, immediately when people were thinking investments, they were thinking of me. They were thinking of real estate. They're thinking of me. 
They're thinking of contractors. They're thinking of me. They're thinking of dirty houses. They're thinking of me like, but it allows me to be at the top of mind, which allows me to do my job more effectively, get more listings, get more buyers, get in front of more people. So that way I can reach more people and continue to grow our business. Right. And that's the thing that people miss. If it's not like, like you said, immediate gratification, Hey, I'm doing this, but I'm not getting, I'm, char I'm, I'm charging people for it. Well, then people are more hesitant. Sure. Cause they're paying engage. for something, what they're going to get. Right. Well, and there's a, um, I, I've been d deep diving into like different ways to, you know, grow audiences and build content and all this kind of stuff. And from a social media side, standpoint, and you know, one of the things that I've taken away from all this is, um, you know, when you give people free information, okay, you dump your brain on them and there's no, there's no expectation for reciprocation. There's no charging for it. There's no, any of that stuff. Um, you do that enough and you build a big enough audience. And even on the small scale, yeah. you're going to get questions and you're going to get people coming to you to look for resources because there's not the fear of, okay, you're trying to extract money from me some sure. way, some fashion. Sure. Right? But the reality is, is if you are talking to someone about investing in real estate and yeah. you're telling them how to locate deals and you're telling them, you know, what type of money you need, where to find hard money lenders, you're going through this entire thing with them, right? Well, now they may have a cursory understanding on how to do this, yeah. but understanding how to do it and actually doing it are two very different things. Absolutely. And that's what sets apart people that have success and those that don't in a lot of cases is that it's kind of like, you know, I always, I always equate it to dieting, right? Yeah. Everybody knows that if you, if you want to be healthy, you need to work out, you need to exercise, you need to eat healthy, you need to eat less, you yeah. know, you need to eat the right kind of foods. You For probably sure. need some supplementation. You know, there's a lot of avenue. We, there, this isn't a mystery. Like this yeah. isn't anything that people are just like, man, if I can only solve this puzzle. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but the hard part is, is in order for that to happen, you have to get up in the morning, right. you have to work out, right. you have to sweat. It sucks. You're tired. You know, you don't get to eat that cheeseburger that you were really hoping to eat, or you yeah. don't want to have that piece of cake. But in order for those things to, you have all the knowledge in the world, yeah. but if you don't enact and, and, and act on that knowledge, then it doesn't mean shit. Well, think of it like this, like, uh, you know, I talked a lot especially to in the real estate rookie, I did like a, a YouTube class, like a class for beginners where I just went over some examples, live examples. Um, you've seen it before. It was like an hour and I recorded it. So anytime somebody comes to me brand new and says, Hey, I'm thinking about getting in, where should I start? I send them the YouTube link, start there. After you've watched it, come back and ask me your questions. Yeah. Right. So it's a good starting point. Well, in there, I talk about like today, different ways that you can get funding for your first real estate deal. Sure. One of them is private money. Private money is a way that you can get started on your first real estate deal without going to a specific bank. Yeah. Right. And private money is typically someone who has access to capital. They're not necessarily investors. They just have access to capital and they want to lend and make a return on their on their um, investment. Yeah. Um, um, so, but they my, don't want to physically do it. They, they don't want to physically get out there and do anything. Yeah. They just have excess cash or some capital that they want to put to work to make a return. Right. My very first private money deal came from the Facebook group. Yeah. It was a friend of mine. Yeah. That I had helped buy and sell houses. Yeah. Before. Yeah. We had a trust there. He understood that I knew the market. He was in the group. And so when I, I said, Hey, you know, I'm doing these deals, doing these deals. And one day he just reached out to me and said, you know, I've got some money. I would love to lend. Yeah. You know, if you ever get a deal that might be a good fit, like let's talk about it. Yeah. And I found one and we did it and we did it successfully. Yeah. And we've done it again. Yeah. 
you know, and we'll keep doing it again and again. Well, if I never created the group, if I never talk about what I'm doing, if I never ask, that's, that doesn't happen. And I've made a lot of money off of those deals. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, and he's made a ton of money off of those deals. Yeah. So it's like, well, people have to think about it. Like, it you know, another example is like a plumber, right? Y- yeah. Your, your toilet goes down in your house. Okay. You call the plumber, plumber shows up. First guy gets there, does a bunch of work, doesn't talk to you, doesn't say a word, yeah. s- writes you a bill. You paid 250 bucks, 300 bucks. Cause your toilet wouldn't flush. And you're like, was that, I don't, I guess that was worth it. I don't, yeah. I don't know, but okay. Right. Next guy shows up, you have another issue. You call them, they show up and then you have the nicest, you know, you've met these guys, right? Yeah. The nicest guys. They want to, well, you see, you got this seal around here and mm-hmm. you know, over the years when the toilet shakes and you don't keep those <laughs> bolts down, it'll loosen up and then it starts to leak. And then you, if you have a leak, then it's going to cause this problem. And, you know, he goes through a litany of all the issues that you're having, how yep. he's fixing it, where he's got to go get the part, whatever. Right. He writes, you write him a check for $250 and you're like, I feel great that that dude just, I know exactly, I got my money's worth, right? (laughs) Now, the next time you have an issue, are you then going to fix it yourself? Because you know how now, right? The plumber told you all the problems. All you got to do is go do it, right? Well, there's a whole other, you know, level of knowledge that you don't have that you have to fight through in order to get something like that accomplished. But no, what you're going to do is you're going to call back old Bob again and he's going to come out and he's going to fix your toilet and he's going to tell you everything about it. And every time he does it, you're learning a little bit more and a little bit more, but it doesn't mean that you're ever going to break down and go fix that toilet yourself. Exactly. You're paying somebody else. You're paying somebody. And he's giving you, even though you're paying for his service to fix it, the entire time he's doing that, he's just giving you free information on what he's doing, how he's doing it and why it's, you know, costs, whatever it costs. And that, that level of communication that you deal with people in whatever it is you do, whether you sell real estate, whether you do mortgages and finance, whatever it is, when you communicate with people and don't feel like you got to hold back all your secrets, yeah. you got to keep everything here because if you, if I tell anybody, then you know everybody's going to do what I'm going to do. Yeah. No, they're not. They're not. They're not. Most people are not. I give information out every single day. I've literally been through a whole you know, class on the first thing you do when you go talk to a bank. This is what the paperwork you're supposed to have, how you fill it out, what it means to them, what it should mean to you, yeah. everything. You take that into the bank. They will take you seriously. Yes. And I've had a handful of people actually do it. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it, it's the nature of life. I mean, we all have ideas. Every, I mean, I'm, I'm m- most guilty of it in the world. If anybody could see my notes on my computer and all the ideas that I've had over yeah. the years on stuff that I want to do. Yeah. But the truth of it is, and this is something I'm learning more and more as I get older and still haven't fi- fully understood, you know, I understand it, but I don't enact it well enough is you get success by focus. You don't get success by being average at 20 things. Okay. You got to pick one thing. And now there are what people don't realize is when you focus on one thing and and accomplish it, that other opportunities will present themselves that fall in line with whatever it is that thing is that you focused on. But the, the work on this for 10 minutes and then, oh, that didn't work. I'm going to go do this and work on that for an hour and it didn't work or work on this for a month. And if you're constantly starting and stopping and starting and stopping, you're never going to get anywhere. Yeah. And you have to be laser focused on whatever it is that you want to do. So if you're, if you're listening to this and you're going, okay, well, I don't know. Do I want to do property management? Do I want to do, you know, investing and flipping? Wh- whatever it is that you think you want to do, just do that. Yeah. Take all the Start rest there. of it and push it aside. Right. 
you can get to it later. Yeah. If you if, if you're interested in it, but focus on this thing and do that thing. And it, and it could be it could be coaching, it could be you know investing, it could be rentals, it could be a million different things. But pick that thing and go all in on it. Educate the shit out of yourself, for so sure. that way when you come out the other side, you're the expert on it, and people will pay you for that information. Yeah, and ultimately, like yeah, as a realtor, I mean, operate within the the confines of what you already know. Yeah, like. You pull comps all day. You look at deals all day. Okay, well, let's get educated with an investor. Let's go out with an investor once a week yeah. and figure out what an investor is looking at through their eyes. And then how about I find good investment deals? Yeah. And then I That's just it. send them out to investors. Well, there's an entire industry <laughs> in the wholesale world, which is, blew my mind too to some extent, is there are literally – and it, it depends on what you're willing to do. Yeah. There are guys that go out and literally knock on doors yep. in every single neighborhood and ask people if they want to sell their house. Absolutely. Then they, those guys have a network of, of investors – 10, 15, 20, 30, 100, whatever it is, that when they get somebody that says, yes, I want to sell my house, they kick that out to all those investors. And then within a day or two, most of the time, they're going to have a buyer. Yeah. And all they did was connect a buyer and a seller, and that's it. Yep. And they did nothing else. And they earned what? What's yeah, in usually their spread minimum, they're making five grand. Okay. So minimum, you, you do two or three of those Some of a month. Don't do any, anything less than ten thousand right. dollars. And all you're doing is connecting people. That's yeah. it. That's that's the entire business. I mean, there's people who go out and literally will buy these houses that are just in disarray. I mean, they're gross. They're nasty, and they'll just buy them as cheap as possible and clean them up and put them out for sale. Yeah, they don't even fix them. They don't even fix them. They just, just clean it just, up. Just a little bit of makeup. Just clean it up. Yeah, just, just give it a bath. Get the trash out. Right. Right. Give it a good and, shave. And, a nice little and bath. Sweep the floors. Right. And Put that sucker out to somebody and make 15, 20 grand. Just like that. Um, all right. So, man, we're already almost in an hour, but we're going to go a little longer today because we got a lot of stuff here. So <laughs> next time or next thing is um, YouTube. All right. So let's let's talk about this a little bit because, yeah. you know, a lot of agents are they're like, OK, well, I got to I got to do some social media. I got to get myself out there some. Man. I got to I got to present myself yeah. to the world if I'm going to do this. And they understand it. Um, some don't and refuse to. And that's fine, too. Um, it's you know, everything's different for everybody. Yeah. But um, why are you doing so? T tell me a little bit about how you started the channel or the show and then what you've been doing with it. And then if you're planning on like what you've learned from it, if, if you're going to keep going on what you're doing, if you're going to change anything. Yeah. So the show, the YouTube show, Real Estate on Deck, um, we do it, uh, usually have two or three episodes a month. Okay. Um, for you, those of you who don't know, go to the Real Estate on Deck <laughs> page yeah. or just search me on YouTube. You'll be able to pop up and, and see. Um, what How it started was my partner, Keith, who's photography. my photographer, who yep. also does my videos, my videographer. Um, now, the way you save money on doing video, by the way. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> No, I necessarily save money. Well, I mean, but, you're, you're, maybe uh, make a little bit. Your top priority. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> there you go. That's where it is. Um, so we, we would go around to our different projects, and I would have him film here, film there, different things, different listings, different new construction stuff. And he said, "Man, we should put together some type of content that we can push out to the public to, you know, just let people know." what you're doing in the different types of businesses that you have, but in a professional format, right? You know, maybe somebody picks a show up and they pay you big money. Maybe they don't, but at least you have original content. Throw the lure in the water. Let's see what happens. So for me, we had been talking about it for about a year and a half before yeah. we actually sat down, put a plan together, put a format together and said, I'm going to commit to this. So yeah. I, I did, we put a contract together, me and him, 18 months was my commitment for doing this show. And 
we're going to get a certain, like I said, two to three episodes a month, usually put out. Usually it's like one a week. We'll take a week or so off every every other month. Um, and he follows me around a couple of days a week and we go through the different things, uh, different aspects of our business. Um, for me, it was just getting the show out there initially. So that way I could be more visible. Right. Um, the goal was to just be more visible in a different way. Right. I had the Facebook group that was doing well. I have my personal Facebook that it promotes business and stuff too. That does well. Business Facebook. This is just another avenue. Sure. Um, since then, it has turned into more business. Mm-hmm. Um, it has shown people different things that we do that they just didn't know about me and about our business and, and the different facets of it. Um, and then it's now turned into a spot where um, – as opposed to me just showing where I'd like to take the show is education. Mm-hmm. I'm showing you what I'm doing, but I'm also showing you why I'm doing it this way, this particular way. So that way, when you're going out, I can educate you on how to look for a rental. What are things to look for when I'm walking a property the first time? What are things to avoid when I'm looking at a property? What different locations I'm in? You know, maybe how to build a house or how to talk to a contractor, how to negotiate a contract with a contractor, what to put in that contract, you know, verbally or, you know, as far as on paper, how to make sure that that's enforced. All these things are where we're headed with the show. So that way people can actually follow along and become better investors as opposed to just watching our business grow. And I think that's, a, for me, something that'll be a little bit more fulfilling going forward. And it'll keep me doing the show and keep me excited about doing the show. Right. Because I, I like to learn. Yeah. I learn more on YouTube and, you know, in yeah. content than I learned in the classroom. Yeah. Um, and I think that we're all visual learners. So putting it in a professional edited format helps people understand it and follow along with the points that you want them to make sure they don't miss. Well, and the key on this, uh, on any of that stuff, when it comes to, um, you know, having content that you put out on a regular basis, yeah. um, I think people get frustrated with the, again, this goes back to, you know, wanting everything immediately now. Yeah. And if you post videos or you make a YouTube video or you do whatever you do and you get five views and three yeah. like or one like or no likes or whatever. Yeah. Right. And you, and you might do 10 of them and you're just going, man, I guess nobody wants to hear what I have yeah. to say. Yeah. And I, you know, again, I was on my deep dive into all this content creation, whatever, one of the, another thing that I've learned from all of the anybody that you can think of that's out there promoting this stuff is number one is consistency for sure. You have to do it all the time. Correct. You have to do it. Cons- and I mean, consistently, it, it could be once a week. It could yeah. be once a month, but whatever it is, it needs to be that on a regular basis. Yeah. And you can't expect any real return on that. There's a, there's one guy, cause I've been looking at obviously doing the podcast and yeah. looking at people to do podcasts. And, um, he started doing his podcast back in 2017 and, um, he has been doing it now for, he's at, I think he's at 600 episodes. So he's been doing yeah. it for eight years now, granted at this point in time, because this human, and I won't name his name, but he's grown into something massive. Everybody yeah. would, or a lot of people would know him if I said his name. Um, he, uh, his first three years of doing it, it was just basically, you know, he was just learning, trying to figure it out, but he did it every single week, every yeah. single week. And his audience got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and yeah. bigger. And then by the time he was at year four, because he had started to add other facets of his, you know, knowledge base to what he was talking about his business and starting sure. to grow things in other directions. Um, you know, now he's in the top four yeah. of, of all podcasts. Now, granted, again, he's built a, a network around that, but his point in, in listening to him is just like, 
I didn't know what I was doing when I started. I had to learn, but I had to learn by doing it. I had yeah. to do it all the time and I had to get better at it. I had to find new ways to, you know, attract people to the, to listen and pay attention and, and find my niche. And, you know, I, I just got to believe that, you know, if you don't, if you're going to commit to it, if you're going to do it. You can't commit to it for two months or yeah. you can't commit to it for two weeks. Yeah. You have to see it through, you know, if you think it's, it's either not working yet because you haven't gotten great at it or it's not working yet just because you haven't had enough time. Right. Right. And, and it's like anything, man. I mean, it, us scaling our rentals, it took time. Yeah. It took a lot of time. Me being a half decent realtor. Yeah. It took time. Yes. You know, so it, you'd be foolish to, to jump into something new content creation and think that it's going to happen overnight. For some people it does, but for most of it's us rare. who are out here, it takes time. Yeah. And so I'm guilty as the next man. I look and see how many people are watching and how many views and things of that nature. But I also understand that, you know, if I put my money in the stock market and I plan on seeing a return, a, a, a really decent return. It better be in there for at least 10 years. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yes, it's the same thing. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's such a thing where we just put it, put our expectations in different places, but it's all because of, I guess the, the, the paradigm of the way you think, because yeah. like you said, if you invest in the stock market, anybody that regularly invests in the market that isn't a day trader and trying to flip whatever, yeah. they understand, you know, the Warren Buffetts of the world that you put money into a good stock like Apple and you wait 20 years and your money will grow. Yeah. You know, if the company's good and you do your research, it will take, but it ain't going to happen overnight. You're not going to make money tomorrow and you're going to make money. You're going to compound the money on top of the money that you're making. Think of it like our rentals that we have right now. The one that I have probably the two that I have the most equity in are the two that I've held the longest. Right. I've had better deals that cash flow better, that are cooler, they look better, they rent higher, all that. Yeah. But the ones that have the most equity are the ones that I've held for five years or more. Yeah. Well, you do a ton of stuff, my friend. Man. And one other thing I want to mention before we go <laughs> is um, you also coach your kids in basketball. I do. Okay. I do. So, so somebody listening to this goes, all right, so you're telling me that this dude, um, we, I don't even know, we're not even gonna have time to get into your development really. <laughs> By the way, just, just so everybody knows, tell them real quick about the development. Development. Got one going on Hill County. Uh, it's 20 acres. We're developing, uh, looking to develop 78 lots, which will be new construction for sale. Um, where we'll be the builder. I'll probably sell some. I may build them all. I may sell them all. I'm not really sure. Whatever yet. happens, opportunities it's a change. Big, yeah, yep. big seven-figure development that we're working through with the city of Hillsboro um, that we're looking to continue to complete. We're we're about a third of the way there. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. The, buy properties, uh, rent, uh, do rentals, um, you know, advise people on, on, uh, real estate investing. And yeah. next thing you know, you'll look up and have a seven figure development deal that you're working on that you're also brand new to learn how to do and experience. <laughs> there's no textbook on, no, there's no, hardly any places you can get help with takes a lot of energy and effort and a whole lot of cash to get done. And it is, it is something, but it's like anything. If it was easy, everybody be doing right. it. It's not easy. That's why me and like seven other people are doing it and we'll figure it out. It's real estate <laughs> calculus and yeah. you got to be ready for it. So, um, but I do want to talk about only with the kids and the basketball stuff, because, sure. um, the, the, the importance of this is, and I, and I, we, we've obviously talked about it before, so, yeah. you know, I know where you're coming from on this, but the time that you spend with your family obviously is important. You know, For that sure. that's a big player. But, you know, when you're renting properties, when you're investing in houses, when you're showing clients buys and sells, when you're advising people and doing calls and helping them invest, 
you know, you, that you, we got 24 hours in the day, yep. right? And you, you can only use so many of those and they go away. So how do you, A, how do you find time for the kids? Yeah. How do you find time for your children? Comment? Find time for the kids. Um, <laughs> well, how do you find time to spend your time coaching them and not just being dad that comes home after a long day and says hi and puts them to bed? And then, and then, but the other question is, is what does it do for you? Yeah. Yeah. I think with anybody who's got more than, even if you just have one high demand job, you know, um, as realtors, we have like 30 jobs just being a realtor and then trying to branch out and be an entrepreneur outside of the entrepreneurial, you know, realtor relationships that you have is it takes a toll on your body. So for me, it is work life balance. Yes. Right. That is my balance. I grew up playing basketball, playing sports you know, my whole life. So basketball, of course, my favorite sport, passion. I could watch it all day. I'm a basketball junkie. I could sit in the gym and watch basketball all day. Don't matter who's playing boys, girls, doesn't matter. Um, so for me, that is fun. And I was blessed with three boys who also love the sport. And so it's rare that you can have that in a household. And so we use it as our family time. My wife didn't necessarily grow up loving basketball, but she's learned to love it because her kids play and they play competitively. Mama loves everything the the babies do. So what does it do for me? First of all, it helps us spend more time together. I coach my two youngest sons teams, eight-year-old third grade team and five-year-old kindergarten team. Um, I've coached them for a couple of years now. And I've coached my oldest when he was younger also. He plays sporadically um, and does some other sports and things as well. Uh, but it allows us to have family time together. Yeah. Um, we're at practice or training Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We have games. Saturday we have games. Sunday we have training and games. Yeah. Um, so the only day we typically have off is Monday. Right. Um, and they love it. It's it's family time. It's time we're in the car together. We're going bringing other kids home. They're spending, you know, spend the night with us, putting them, you know, through training, doing more games, doing tournaments. We just, you know, we develop friends and felt relationship. You know, this, you yeah. ran sports, you sports organization for years. So yeah. you get it. Um, for me, it helped me be more, be able to just shut off work, right? Shut it down. Yes. Because Which you, you have to that. have, you need that have. or you'll go insane yeah. doing so many different things throughout the day. Yeah. So this allowed me to not only spend time with my family, spend time with my kids and a passion that we all have, but also take a break from work. Yeah. Um, when you're with the kids, it's not work. Yeah. You know, and you have to physically shut it off. I have people who will call between, you know, hours after hours of five, six, you know, PM. And I tell them a lot of times on those days, like I'm at basketball, I coach two teams, I train. So I you know, I'll get back to you as soon as I possibly can, but it's probably going to be the next business day or the next day. Yeah. And they're okay with it as long as I set the expectation. Yep. Also, another thing that's helped us is my wife had foot surgery um, this summer, mm-hmm. right? Which literally sat her down. Mm-hmm. She could not drive. She could barely walk. And so I had to pick up the slack where she was always super mom. Now I had to turn into super dad and learn how to be super dad and right. take care of the kids. She couldn't even go upstairs for months. Yeah. So washing clothes, putting up clothes, getting kids ready for school. And the byproduct of that is now that her foot has healed and her surgery has healed, I'm still getting up in the morning and getting the kids ready for school. It's our time together. I drop them off for school now. It's our time together. You know, so before I start the day, I'm with them. When I end the day, I'm with them. And it creates a great work-life balance naturally that I don't have to force, that they appreciate, they know that I'm there. 
And I get a lot out of it, of course, internally, because I mean, you get to spend time with your kids and your wife, like a better thing than that. Yeah, I, it's hard because um, as human beings, we all want to, uh, if you're not working, then you feel like you're not doing enough, yeah. right? Especially if you're a hard, if you're a high, um, high energy, high product, productivity type person. Yeah. If you're not working all the time, I think you grow out of this, but especially when you're young, if you're not, I should be at my desk working or I should yeah. be over here working or I should be over there where like, I need to be working, working, work, work. And, and you know what, there's, there's, a, there's truth to that. And there are times when you need to focus all in on work, but yeah. If you don't have something that takes care of your mind and your body, if you if you don't get physical activity every week to release the stress and all the anxiety that you have about all the problems that are occurring in your life, yeah. if you can't get out there and sweat it out and just exhaust your body for a little bit, whether you're playing pickup basketball or you're yeah. riding on your bike or you're doing whatever, and then on top of that, if you don't have something that is an activity, whether it be spending time with your kids, whether it be reading, whether it be I mow my yard, yeah. you know, and sit on my mower, listen to a podcast that I yeah. want to hear. That's just has nothing to do with anything, any real estate related stuff. Yeah. Just whatever it is to shut your brain off, to let it, you know, recover essentially. Yeah. Because you're, if you're constantly firing at all cylinders, you're going to wear out. You just, you, you don't have the, 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 the tools, the, your body is not built to go 24, seven, seven yeah. days a week. It just can't. Yeah. And you're not only that, but the time that you are spending is so much more productive. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. If you can wake up refreshed, if you get a good night's sleep and you yeah. wake up early and you can be refreshed, you're way more productive throughout the day. It's scientifically proven. Yes. Right. If, if you can turn around and say, okay, well, as opposed to being a realtor and only depending on real estate from my realtor commission, if I can branch out and do one other thing yeah. that brings in some sort of revenue, that helps take the pressure off of you to feel better about spending more time doing things yeah. that help you with the work-life balance. Yeah. And for me, it's like, okay, I'm not doing all this stuff not to enjoy it with my family. Right. What's the point? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not just going to be like, if I'm at a basketball game and you call me and it's your Unless that house is on fire, right. like I'm gonna call you back later, right. right? Because I'm probably doing something that is helping me recharge my battery, so I can be refreshed when I have to talk to you, yeah, and have better solutions when I talk to you. Yeah. So it's very important, and that's why this is important. That's yeah. why having a different revenue stream is super important because it allows you to open up doors and more opportunities in different areas of your life that you need, yeah, definitely need it, and so. I just try to encourage folks to say, hey, you know, I don't have the blueprint to do it all successfully. The only way to do it successfully. I do what works for me. Yes. Some people may not be able to do five different entities and five different things. That's well, you okay. didn't start doing that overnight. Right. I mean, it's all built on itself. It wasn't like you just opened Correct. all these at the same day. I mean, this all happened over time. Correct. And I have days where it's super stressful, where yeah. everything is coming down on top of me and I got to climb my way out of it and crawl my way out of it. Yeah. And then, you know, the kids are not happy or my wife's not happy right. about something that I've done. You know, it's just like, that's part of it. Yeah. But at the end of the day, there's exponentially more good days than there are bad days. We don't worry nearly as much. We have so much more fun in life, enjoying life and not having to sit there and count penny pinch every single day as to how we're going to do this or how we're going to do that. We see an opportunity. Usually we can act on it yeah. because we've slowly built this thing up to where it is today. Do you have any, um, I, I hate to use the word hacks because it's hacked out at this point, but do you have any 
it hacks that you, whether it comes to how you organize your day, your productivity, like how you, you know, this day I do this, or in the morning I do this or in the evening I do this, or I set aside a day. Like what, what are, how are you with all of these things? How are you putting this all together to make sure that you still accomplish everything? My calendar reminder and to do's are necessities for surviving the week. And typically they're updated in the morning, right after I take the kids to school. Gotcha my communication with contractors, my communication with my wife on the property management, you know, updates or things, um, communication with builders, communication with clients, communication with new leads. Everything is on the calendar, on the reminders, on the to-dos. When I'm looking for a system to help streamline a process for a business that we're doing, it has to be able to communicate to either my vendors or my clients or potential clients through that system, or I'm not going to even consider purchasing it and using it, Gotcha. Um, which most of them have it these days, right. but I'll set those in the morning and I'll set them for the week. A lot of times in the morning, early in the week, Mondays, Tuesdays. And so that way, when I get within the struggle of the day, I know that things are still being sent out right. at certain times to certain people who need to get them. And I can be more proactive as opposed to just reactive to everything that comes in. Right. And I am very reactive because I have things that hiccups that come along the way, but I'm, I've gotten better along uh, over the last few years with being proactive. If it's not on my calendar and not a reminder and I might to do, it doesn't exist. Right. And that includes coaching training. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, cause <laughs> you got to remember, events. cause someone yeah. says, Hey, I have this thing. Can you come help me with this? You got to look, look it up. Uh, I've yeah, trained myself so. to say, let me look at the calendar first yeah. before I respond. Yeah. And I do. And if it's there, cool. My wife has access to put stuff on the calendar. So that way when it's, <laughs> when it needs to be done, that could be a good thing, a bad thing, but for us, it works out well. <laughs> That's a whole other thing because this is the constant thing with me. My wife is, is, I tell her, and this is the good thing, a bad thing about living on your calendar yeah. is when you live on your calendar, you don't think about what's coming up sure. because it's there. Yeah. Because if I need to look at it, I got it, it there. Right. So when my wife comes to me and says, Hey, we have this volleyball dinner tomorrow night or, you know, in, in two weeks, don't yeah. forget, you know, we're going to go da, 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 da. I'm like, cool. Put it on the calendar. Yep. Right. And if she'll come to me, Hey, don't forget, we're going to, oh, wait, cool. Did you put it on the calendar? Yeah. Because, and then we'll get to that point. And it won't be on my calendar. She's like, I told you three times. I'm like, (laughs) how many times do I have to explain to you how my brain works? Okay. We're we're completely opposite. Kay will put it on the calendar and then she'll explain it to me three times to make sure that I look at it. (laughs) She's like, hey, don't forget to look at your calendar for the thing that I put on there. And I'm like, okay, okay, I will do it. She's like, hey, did you look at it? (laughs) I looked at it. We're good. Just remind you one more time. Do not mess this up. So so yeah, it's just, it's one of those things where it works out and that's, that's how I'm able to kind of keep track if, you know, it syncs with all of our devices. So if I lose my phone, I still have access to it or somebody else still has access to it. I can pull it out of the email. So it's just it's one of those things you just have to have, yeah. you just have to have in life. Yeah. And if you're not doing that, you're very, you're operating behind the eight ball and you're, you're already you're never anything accomplished. You yeah. got to plan. You have to plan. Absolutely. You have to carve out time in the day to plan, Absolutely. whether it be and, and I, I say the day every, literally every day. Yeah. You, you got to carve out a little bit of time every For day sure. to pl- plan. What am I doing tomorrow? What am I doing this morning? Yep. And then I take the weekends and I try to plan out my next week to yep. say, okay, what do I got coming up? You know, so I can make sure if I have this presentation this day, I need to prepare for it three days in sure. advance to make sure that it's ready to go. So I'm not scrambling at the last minute Yeah, because I'm the king of procrastination. And, you know, those are the only way that you can overcome those problems yeah. is by planning. For sure. And, for us, you know, as realtors, typically the weekends are times where you're very busy sure. or the most busy. So um, we're, I'm usually taking like Monday, yeah. Tuesday to make sure like, 
as my weekend to carve out my plan for the week. Yeah. Um, because Monday is almost like a Saturday. You have a lot of catch up and follow up to do from the weekend. Yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah slot on your plate. Mm -hmm. Um, all right, we'll leave with this. Um, if you were starting out, you'd been selling real estate now for, you know, let's say 10 years or whatever. And you Is knowing this hypothetically, yes. or are you talking about directly? Hi hypothetically. Okay. I got you. Knowing what well, you put yourself, you're a new realtor. Okay. Okay. Or not a new realtor. You're a seasoned realtor, but you're looking to try something else. Sure. Okay. In the real estate sphere. All right. You've, you've touched on all these things and knowing what you know now, where would you start today with the knowledge that you have? If you were, if you were saying, I didn't, I don't have any properties. I don't have any fix and flips. I don't do consult. I don't do any of that stuff, but I want to try to start moving in a direction. Now it's going to be different for everybody, but knowing what you know, at this point, if you could go back, talk to Conrad, however many years ago and be like, Hey, start here. Where would you start? So where I would start was first thing I would do is, um, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of buying rentals, buying holds, okay. right? So I would partner with someone who is either has aspirations to buy and hold properties or propose it to some of my clients who maybe didn't need to sell. And they just, you know, I didn't understand the market at that time right. of, hey, you can make money other ways than just through commission. Um, I would partner with either my clients or, a, you know, an investor who's kind of seasoned and, and learn the biz, the investing real estate investing business for the buy and hold business that way. Yeah. That's where I would start. Okay. Um, and how would I add value either through my knowledge of the market? Cause that's one thing realtors should have. If you've been in the business for 10 years, you should at least know a market, right? Um, you should have the market knowledge where you can give education on what will sell, what will rent. Um, you should have some capital. If you've been doing it for 10 years, you think you saved something. It yes. may not be the case, but yeah. you should have at least the opportunity to save some capital. And if you haven't, then the first place you should start is going back to budgeting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would do one of those two things because it, oftentimes we don't have an aspiration to buy a house or as a realtor, some realtors just don't want to get into that, but they have access to capital or they, they've made some pretty good commissions. So now maybe I'm just going to lend and get a return. Right. Okay. I would do that also mm -hmm. because the people who are lending the money typically hold all the cards for these right. deals. Right. So if you can get used to that and build your portfolio that way, you don't ever have to have any real estate. You just have to have the opportunity to take over that real estate. If your lending doesn't go the way that it's supposed to go. Right. Those are two things that I would start off with right out of the bat. Cause you know, real estate, you know, the market, you should know, understand contracts so you can do deals on the lending side or the investing side or find you an owner finance deal yep. or find you an owner finance deal. Go that way. You don't even have to yeah. worry about the banks. Yeah, for sure. And it doesn't, when we say lending, let me make sure I make this completely clear. Not everybody who comes out looking for lending is looking for a hundred thousand dollars. Right. Some people want 7,000. Some people want 4,000. Yeah. And so just like with these investments, these rentals, you can start small. Yeah. Hey, I'll give you four thousand and get five thousand back. Yeah, in a specified amount of time. That's yeah. a pretty good return on investment, especially if it's a reasonable amount of time. I think exactly. you're in good shape. So exactly. Well, man, um, I really appreciate you coming in For again sure. Um, sure. and going through all this. I always learn stuff every time you're here, and um, I'm sure we'll do it again. We'll keep adding to it, you For know, sure. uh, because <laughs> I get the most out of these. You know, I, we have people that come in all the time, and you know, I talk to you know, social media gurus. And, you know, lately I've been doing a lot of crypto and, yeah. you know, uh, fractionalization stuff. I and learn a lot from those. Yeah. I pick up stuff from, from everybody, but you know, when it gets down to the nitty gritty of, of actually doing it, there's very few people that I know that 
there are boots on the ground in every aspect of this stuff. And you're definitely one of those. So. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. So, so thank you so much. And, uh, we'll definitely do it again sometime. Thank you for everybody that hung around appreciate and we will, uh, we'll see you next week. Sounds good. All right. Later.